Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. My name is Carlos Alvarez and I'll be your host for the show. This is episode number 212 and I'm excited to have a certified mergers and acquisitions expert on the show, as well as the author of Exitpreneur's Playbook, Joe Valley of Quiet Light Brokerage. Welcome to the show, Joe. 212. That's pretty good. That's my new favorite number. Thanks for having me, Carlos. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Bucket list checked. I've had you on the show now. That's it. I can start wrapping the show up now. And I'm done as well. I've heard about you for years, so I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we connected. Super. I... When, when we connected, and I know I was going to be able to have you on the show, the first thing that came to my mind um, that I've never spoke about on the show are things that Amazon brands can do. So obviously a brand that started on Amazon, but things that Amazon brands can do off Amazon to increase their, their multiple upon exiting. The reason for that is I have exited a bunch to non-Amazon aggregators, and they seemed to really, really like these off Amazon things. And at the time they weren't that excited about what I was doing on Amazon. But then when I started talking to a lot of Amazon aggregators, they seemed like they didn't care about things like SOPs and email lists and social media. And like, it did, just didn't matter. So I was pretty shocked by it. Um, I, I'm not hundred percent sure where you stand on that. And I figured we could um, dive into it a little bit for anyone listening to this. We're also gonna, there's going to be a free, uh, giveaway of your book on the show. So stay to the end and uh, you're going to share that. What's your take on this? Yeah. So pre-aggregators, it was, uh, there was a big disparity between the value of an Amazon business and the value of, you know, a direct consumer business selling off of Amazon, big disparity. So if you're doing a, let's say, I'm going to use just round numbers, add or subtract zeros to suit your needs, folks. Let's say you're doing a million dollars in discretionary earnings. If you're doing that on Amazon, you know, five years ago, you'd be lucky to get a three-time multiple. Uh, whereas if you're doing it off Amazon, you're going to be easily at four times. So there's a 25% difference there. And in that case, you're at 3 million versus 4 million. That's a million dollar difference. That gap has changed a little bit. Um, whereas, you know, that Amazon business is, is going to be in that four-time range now easily if it's a strong brand, right? Don't, don't take it. Hey, Joe said I get four times. It's, uh, there's a lot of details to it. But the, the off Amazon brand is still going to pull a higher value. Um, there's so much more to it and so much more uh, um, lower risk, really. And that's the key thing, Carlos, is it's, you know, there's, there's, there's four primary things that all buyers look at, no matter they, whether they know it or not. It's risk, growth, transferability, and documentation. Anytime you're making an investment, no matter who you are, you're thinking, what's my risk here? And it's Amazon is a single channel and everybody's afraid in many cases, especially pre-aggregators that Amazon's just going to stop third-party selling and take over the world. Never going to do it. Not the case. I never believed it. Uh, Most people don't believe that now, but it's still a risk, right? Whereas if you own the brand, you own the customer, you can market to them, you can launch new products directly to them without the expense that you would have of doing paid advertising or doing whatever you do on Amazon to get better, you know, launch out there. There's much more value for a business if you're, if you're selling a good portion of it off Amazon. And I'd say, people say, well, what percentage? When does it start to add more value? Should I have 10% of it, you know, off Amazon, 20%? The answer is really, it depends upon the brand. But I would shoot for 30 to 40%, and that needs to be growing as quickly or quicker than the Amazon side of it. The problem with that, Carlos, is it's exceptionally rare to see an off-Amazon brand or a brand that is selling on Amazon and they're selling on their own site 
that they're growing faster on their own site than they are on Amazon because it's just so damn easy to buy stuff on Amazon. So it's, it's, it's difficult to see that, rare to see that. It happens. And when it does, the value shoots up quite a bit. So, so that would be a brand has a strong presence on Amazon and that they also have 30, 40, 30 to 40% of that presence off Amazon. Yeah. So like I sold a, a grilling apron business once upon a time, right? And they were primarily an Amazon business. And it sold at a value of an Amazon business when the, it was when the aggregators first started to show up. So the multiple is pretty, pretty decent. Well, that, the owner of that company has taken and, and you know, they had a website. They had a, a, a brand that was on their own website and they sold grilling aprons, right? High level grilling aprons. But they've expanded now off Amazon to end on, on Amazon to not only grilling aprons, but other kinds of aprons for barbershops and things of that nature. And they've added things that you would use when you grill, like all the utensils. And in order to get recurring revenue with it, they've added spices and things of that nature that you would add to the foods that you cook with your grilling aprons because the brand is so strong. And they've done most of this off of Amazon. And so at this point, the, uh, the revenue is about 50% Amazon, 50% on their own. It's actually a Shopify store. And so that in itself has increased the value of that business. If revenue was exactly the same as when they bought it, it would increase the value of the business by about 25% in my view. Yeah. So, so basically having a website off of Amazon is, is a huge first step thing you should, you would recommend a brand do is to get some traffic going on, on their external website off of Amazon. I would, I would absolutely recommend it, but only first of all, getting the website up and, and, and running is like, right, that's easy enough. You hire a website developer to do that. That's important. Uh, in many cases, you got to have that to just sell uh, a brand and whatnot in, in the right way on Amazon. Um, but if you are putting 110% of your time into Amazon and it's growing rapidly, I would not carve out 20% of that, uh, of that time to focus on your Shopify store. Because if it's growing rapidly, you should continue to focus on it. You don't want to drop the ball. I, I'd hate to see the growth slow over there um, just to see you know, you're focusing on a store that's going to take time, right? The brand's not going to grow as quickly off Amazon as it is on Amazon. It's going to take a lot more time to get some footing and, and have it grow. So only if you have spare time to you know, put some hours into that off Amazon brand is, is what I would do. If you're growing rapidly on Amazon, and you're just trying to keep up and you haven't expanded to different countries, I might say stay there for now. Um, but, you know, continually think about, you know, building that brand off, off Amazon and in particular, how you generate recurring revenue or repeat revenue off of Amazon uh, with, with that brand, no matter what kind of brand it is. It sounded like you said, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like you said that the, this apron brand and the example grilling apron brand they grew a unique product line off of Amazon on the website, which is what really helped. It was the seasonings and it was um, other niche aprons like barbershops and stuff like that. I can see the seasonings fit, but is adding those other products that are unrelated to the niche? I mean, it's probably good for the gross, the gross sales, but is that good for transferability of the brand? Uh, yes, because it, it, it takes away the seasonality of that particular type of business in that particular case, right? So grilling aprons is only during the grilling season for the most part. In January, not many people are buying them. Um, uh, whereas if you're a, you know, a barbershop owner or a hair salon owner, 
Uh, you can have these customized to you and they're incredibly, it's got some sort of wax film on it. It's very high, high quality stuff. You know, you're, you're buying those on a regular basis and it's also B2B as opposed to B2C. And that creates, you know, recurring revenue and relationships and things of that nature. It's a completely different beast than selling on Amazon, right? Completely different beast. But this particular buyer had experience in that. And so he was able to, you know, he didn't have a very high learning curve in that particular area. So he was able to, to, to carve that out. Sure. How, how many brands, I, I feel like I should have said this in the beginning, and I just assume, you know, talking to you that everyone in the industry knows you and knows Quiet Light, but how many brands have you helped in the process of exiting roughly? Uh, thousands. Um, right. So you have a great deal of experience in this is what I want to establish. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I sold my own brand through Quiet Light back in 2010, took 11 off and then joined in 2012. Mark and I became partners in 17 and, you know, we've sold well over a half a billion now in total transactions through Quiet Light. God, I'd love to see those yeah. books. I just look at a, something with a B on it. That's got to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird uh, that, that I can say, you know, half a billion. It'd be, it'd be nice when I can say billion. You know, it's funny, you know, we, we, we launched or Mark founded Quietlight in 2017. Um, and it was, you know, it was a slog. It was a total slog. And even in 2012, when I first joined, it was a slog because they were mostly low value content sites, you know, uh, with Google AdWords and things of that nature. Um, but starting in, you know, 14, 15, 16, we started to see some serious growth and the value of the businesses grew as well. Back in 2012, I think the average deal size, Carlos was like $110,000. Uh, last year, the average deal size was just under 2 million and it keeps growing each year. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's, it's been a, a pretty fun, incredible, cool journey. Cause I get to, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm in a industry that's growing rapidly. And I think Mark, the way he founded the company is a company that helps first. And it's really a, we consider ourselves an education company that happens to do M&A deals. But, um, and, and then the benefit is that the more people we help, the more our business grows. And we truly are focused on helping people, you know. What, with, with half a billion in sales, what about social media for a brand? Uh, social media off of Amazon, obviously. Um, have you seen social media helping uh, a brand's multiple in an exit. Yes. Um, and Any examples I can steal from you? You can yeah, like I'm gonna, protect uh, the privacy. You know, we talked about not naming brands, but I'm going to name this one because we haven't sold it yet. And they're, they're just a, a great group of people. It's a, it's a brand called livebearded.com. Uh, Anthony Mink and his business partner have just done an absolutely incredible job in creating a culture off of Amazon. And that's done through a, a lot more through social media than on just on their website. So if you guys really want to understand how to build an amazing culture with your brand, go to livebearded.com and, and see what they do. They've, you know, it's a brotherhood of bearded men. Like I have, look, I have stubble. This isn't a beard, right? I, I think I have a beard because I trim it on a regular basis. You meet Anthony and the group of guys that he hangs out with. Those are beards, right? They're big, burly, shiny beards that they're proud of and women want to reach out and run their hands through it. It's, it's weird. I've seen it happen when I'm, when I'm in his presence. It's just that somehow they just reach out and touch it. And it's a brotherhood of customers that they have, right? They've, um, the, the, they, 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 and they actually have, speaking of grilling, they have a, 
you know, a lot of video that they do just with their iPhones that, that they share with their customers and where they, their team grills out once a week, right? As part of the bonding of their team. And they do it outside and they do it outside their warehouse where they ship from. And the grill was stolen once and they talk about it. They're like, oh my God, so, you know, and they go out there and they talk about it. Three days later, a brand new grill shows up at their doorstep because one of their customers who follows them and is part of the brotherhood saw that some asshole stole their, their grill and he went out and bought a new grill and shipped it to them. And that's part of the you know, continuing story. And through that, they've built um, you know, great relationships with their customer, great repeat orders. Uh, they can launch new products. They can launch that recurring revenue products where people get it you know, uh, shipped to them on a regular basis. It's really kind of the best off Amazon branding story example that I could give that's involving a lot of social media as well. And I'm looking at the site, like I pulled it up while we're talking and it's, it's badass. Like it really is. I think that's the first time I've even used profanity on the show, but like it is pretty badass. It were 40,000 reviews. It's definitely very like community culture. Um, uh, I, I'm having a little bit of FOMO because genetics have cursed me to where I can't even connect anything on my face. Like it, it just looks, <laughs> I, I won't even say what it looks like when, if I don't shave, but it's just, you get a beard like, my, you get a beard like my 20 year old, right? It's just patchy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's like really, really bad. So I, I don't even want to look at this anymore, but it looks amazing. What, what about, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but like, I, I just quick glance to them on Amazon. It looks like they're doing really well on Amazon as well. Yeah. Um, this is not an easy category. Um, nope. just great. Looks amazing. So this is, this is an example of someone that could potentially exit and they doing really good on Amazon. Looks like they're maybe doing 30, that, that 30 to 40%, um, off of Amazon as well. Any, from the way you were describing it, it sounds like that's not the norm with brands. Do, do you notice that a lot of brands attempt to pull something like this off in their brand and they just fall flat on their face or they don't even try or they believe that, you know, this won't help them? They, they don't realize the amount of work that's involved to go off Amazon because they're so good at Amazon. To, do, to create the culture that they've created at Live Bearded, is, it's a lot of time and energy and work, right? Um, and 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 they they give up after a while because they're giving a hundred percent of their time to Amazon, and then they're going to squeeze in this off Amazon stuff. You can't squeeze it in. You've got to dedicate time to it and 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 resources to it as well. As far as Live Bearded goes, and I, I want people to hear this um, more than anything else. You know, um, Anthony came up to me at one point many years ago. I was at the Blue Ribbon Mastermind event. Um, and he came up and he's talking about their brand and he's kind of disheartened because they put in years of effort and years of work and they didn't feel like it had much value. Um, and they were sort of dejected. And uh, he and his business partner, Spencer, uh, and I got on a call and we talked about it and we looked at their financials and they were just delighted with the reality of the value of what they had. And it motivated them and lit a fire under them and got them excited to the point that there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that just maybe four short years later, if they wanted to exit, they're looking at an eight-figure exit and a strong eight-figure exit. Whereas just four years ago, they, th they thought, man, we're putting in all this time and effort and we're not getting much out of it. You know, There's so much money going back into building the business and inventory, as you know. 
and, and they're just not able to draw a lot of cash out of it. Um, and that's a frustration for a lot of entrepreneurs like myself back in the day, right? Most of the money goes into the business when you're building it and it's growing rapidly and you're not able to take a lot of cash out of it. Most of the money you make when you sell a business is on the exit, not just because it's a big cash event, but also because it's a lower tax event as well. But, but for them and for anybody else that's listening that someday wants to you know, get out and move on to the next adventure or just diversify their life a little bit, don't just wake up and decide to sell because you're not going to get the value that you deserve. You should, you should really do what Anthony and Spencer have done, which is just educate themselves. And really, it's, I call it training, Carlos, right? Train for your exit. I hate exit planning. When I wrote the book, I wanted to not use the word exit at all. But I was, I was having a beer with some friends at an event down in Austin and a buddy of mine said, what about exitpreneur? That's really cool. Like entrepreneur and exit. exit. I'm like, yeah, that's, and it stuck with me. Um, but it's hard to pronounce. You did a very good job, by the way, on the intro. I've had, I I, I've had people screw that up so badly. And I have to tell it. Uh, I'm going to go do a brief aside on, on, the, on the title of the book. May I? Mm-hmm. I so I, when I was writing the book, I had two titles. One was called The Incredible Exits or Incredible Exits. And the other was Exitpreneur. I hadn't had the playbook part of it yet. So I had Exitpreneur and Incredible Exits. And I sent it out to you know a dozen uh, people that uh, I'm associated with, some of them influencers that have a lot of people in the e-commerce world, many like yourself. And um, uh, I think all but one of them voted for Incredible Exits. You're like a jackass. I, I use the other one. I use the other one. And uh, it's harder to pronounce. Um, hopefully it's unique and sticks enough. But it was, it was a guy named Billy Murphy down in, uh, down in Austin that uh, voted for the entrepreneur side of it because he thought, man, I'd stop. I'd pick that up. I'd read it. I'd be like, I need to know what that is. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I went with that, even though most people voted for incredible exits. Short aside, stop me from talking, Carlos. No, I'm going no, I, I, no, absolutely not. I'm, I've had a, I've wanted to write a book forever and I haven't had the stones to do it. We, we chatted briefly, doing briefly here. Like we, we had a really good conversation prior to the recording, the, on just the process of what goes into that. And, um, I, I've come up with a lot of names for businesses that have come from just beers with beers and ribs with friends and stuff. So I, I, I totally get that really quick on the book and i know we mentioned at the end we're gonna we're gonna drop a link so listeners can get a free copy literally a free copy the or or be able to consume it for free the what can somebody expect from the book because i know it's not read this book so you now know what an exit is and it's just this book packed full of bookkeeping and accounting terms and like stuff that you never want to read so like i know that's not it so like what 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 can somebody expect from the book? I would describe it as, you know, what is somebody going to get from reading the book? I would describe it as a series of light bulbs going off over and over and over and over again. That's going to excite them to um, stick through those really rough days that we all have as entrepreneurs or weeks or months and sometimes years um, and gain a really, really solid understanding that what they're building does have value and how to increase the value of it. Whether they sell directly uh, to a buyer on their own or use an advisor, um, it's gonna help them build a stronger business in understanding those four pillars of what buyers want, what they fear. Um, Chapter 11 alone, if 
like just read chapter 11 and you're going to, if you're just selling on your own right now and you're negotiating with somebody, stop and read chapter 11 because you're calculating seller's discretionary earnings wrong because you're not doing a full schedule of ad backs, right? There's 18 different ad backs that I cover in the book. That is like gold right there. Um, really, you know, I've been doing this for a decade. I've helped facilitate a half a billion of transactions. I've built, bought, and sold a half dozen of my own businesses as well. So it's a combination of everything that I've learned over the last decade in helping people and helping myself build valuable businesses and sell them. And it's all there in the book in a conversational tone, as if you're having a beer for me at a, with me at, at a pub in, in layman's terms, right? It's mostly layman's terms. But even if you've sold a business or two or three or four before, I think you're going to get you know tremendous value out of the book. And what about, you, you mentioned a second ago, how somebody shouldn't just like wake up one morning and say, you know what, I, I want to sell my business. It's a lot more complicated than that anyway, but you shouldn't do that. You definitely agree you shouldn't do that. So who, who, who is the person that should read this book? Like if someone's listening to, listening to this and they're like, well, I'm not ready to sell yet. So perhaps I shouldn't consume this book. Like where should somebody be in their journey? When are they ready to read this book? I, everybody that's listening is an e-commerce business owner. So at any point in their journey, they should be reading the book or at least get it and make it a reference guide for them. So they understand you know, the full picture of the process of building a valuable business, packaging a valuable business, going through due diligence, uh, and and you know what to do after selling a valuable business. Um, I, I don't think that you know somebody. You, you often hear the term. You know, you should always have the exit in mind. From the moment you start the business, you should you know have the exit in mind. And I think that's total bull because all you're trying to do is keep the wheels on the bus, right? Thank God. Thank God you said that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> if it's your first business, there's no way that that term applies because you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just trying to get cash flow into your bank account and that kind of stuff. If it's your third, fourth, or fifth exit, like you've you've sold many businesses before, so when you build a brand now you know that there's a value in exiting. And so you are keeping that in mind. The next time you build a brand, you're going to go, okay, well, you know, I could run this for 36 months and I'm going to do this. If I get to a million in discretionary earnings, then it's going to be worth 5 million bucks. And you know that during that four-year period or three-year period of building that business, you're not going to be take, taking much cash out because you're building it and the, the values in the exit, you know, at least 50% of the values in the exit. I, I want to... I want to ask two quick things, and then I want to ask you about another off Amazon um, tactic. But you mentioned Blue Ribbon Mastermind. Is that that's the Ezra Firestone one? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's been, that's been on my radar forever. You highly recommend it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so much value there in in the group itself in the in the forum, um, or the, it's a Facebook group, private Facebook group that you get as being a member of Blue Ribbon Mastermind. The communications and the help and guidance that I see in there from Anthony and, and many others is is just phenomenal. And Ezra always shares his business details with, you know, Boom by Cindy Joseph, Zipify, um, all the different businesses that he owns. He is an open book to the members of the Blue Ribbon Mastermind group. So tools, resources, guidance, things of that nature, um, they're uh, in great abundance there. All right. That's good to know. Um, I, I want to ask you something and, and cause you're one of, you're one of the good guys in this space. Um, and we didn't have any prep for this or anything like that, but I've never asked someone and got a number. You, you just mentioned how 
when you're growing the business, you're really not taking, you're putting almost everything back in the business. Um, you're not, basically, you're not paying yourself a, a, a nice bit of money. Um, I know that to be very, very true. Do you have a number that you could say that most businesses owners, most of these business owners, most of these founders are actually paying themselves um, come around exit time? No, no, I definitely don't because they're all different sizes and shapes and things of that nature. If you look, I think we probably get 25 listings up on the quiet light side now and they're all different sizes. And so, you know, it's, can I try it another, can I try it another way? Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all things, well, I can't say all things being equal, uh, Amazon yeah. business selling 5 million in gross sales. Um, let me give you, let me give you a specific, specific example. Okay. I know, I know where you're going. So I sold a business, uh, for a guy named Jeremy and, um, he and his wife, he, he was in the corporate world. He started an Amazon brand. He ran it for 24 months. His wife was a teacher. During that 24-month period, they lived off of her teacher's salary, which we know isn't much. He, didn't, he was unable to take any money out of the business for 24 months because everything was going back into trying to keep up with inventory, right? He, nothing. The only thing he got in a 24-month period was a $600 camera. He was a photographer. Uh, as a hobby. Um, and he bought the camera through the business. So he got the camera and he got to keep the, the camera in the sale. So he took zero cash flow out of the business. And in 24 months, he sold it for a million dollars. Okay. If he, if he kept it, he's probably going to add, you know, be able to pull some money out. That's an extreme case. I think that, you know, so he was doing, I think by the time he sold in that second year, the full seller's discretionary earnings was about $300,000. But that's not cash flow, right? He, he had $300,000 of inventory when he sold the business. So $300,000 in discretionary earnings is really $300,000 in inventory. So he really didn't take anything out. But if you're growing a business rapidly, the, the more you are growing, the less you're going to take out. Um, if you have a lot of working capital up front, let's say you've got $50,000 to start the brand, you may be able to pull some money out and allocate and pay yourself first with is a that profit shipping nowadays. Did. Pardon me? What, 50000 is that shipping? That's a container nowadays? It, well, no, just $50,000 to start with. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Prices are coming down though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I don't, I, I don't have a number. Um, margins are different for every business. Just growth is different for every business. And if it's you know off Amazon versus Amazon or SaaS versus content, that kind of stuff. Sorry, don't have an answer for you. All good. Email. Have you, have you noticed um, email, uh, anybody like really doing email right now and a good example to increase their multiple off of Amazon, obviously off of Amazon. Yeah. Our buddy Mike Jackness did that with color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible at email, right? I, I've got a database of people that, you know, sign up through the entrepreneur's playbook. And I think I've sent out like five emails in 12 months. So I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't, you know, lead by example here, but I know that, you know, with color at Mike and, and, and look, just full disclosure, you know, Mike came on my podcast. I went on his, we talked about his whole journey in a four part episode, a podcast episode about selling color. Um, and so, you know, his brand was initially built off of Amazon with, with email. And he just did an incredible job with it. And then, uh, you know, 
went over to Amazon and saw the Amazon side growing faster than the off Amazon side, but he's often getting up when he speaks uh, and travels around the country and is trying not to do that as much now. As I said, before we hit record, we were talking the other day, uh, he lives in Vegas. And so he's trying to do most of his presentations in Vegas, but a lot of it is around email and building an email database where you can launch uh, new products to that database and still send them to Amazon if that's your Amazon business. But the email side of it is a really, really big, really big part of it. The other part, the other part, Carlos, where I've had a, a few people on the podcast, guys like uh, Brett Curry from OMG Commerce, where they focus a lot on uh, YouTube ads, video ads. You know, I think I think it's and don't quote me on this, but I think it's the first thirty seconds. If nobody clicks on it, it doesn't cost anything. You know, so you're getting some exposure and and people that watch it long enough that click on it, and maybe it's 10 seconds that click on it, you pay for it. But the the first few seconds, uh, it's free. So you're getting exposure out there and people that are only interested in it actually click. That's when you pay. And so YouTube ads are doing a great deal of, of uh, good things for people as well off Amazon. Yeah. And Brett's a genius when it comes to uh, YouTube ads and a lot of other things, but especially YouTube ads. Do you know he has like seven kids? He's like my business, my business partner's got eight and one on the way, or seven and one on the way. I lose count, but Brett's got. Like I saw seven a picture kids. on social, and I was like, "No, they're not all. His. <laughs> they're all his, and none of them are adopted, folks. <laughs> they're all his." That is freaking wild. Yeah. Uh, to 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 recap, um, if if you're if you're you know pedal to the metal, one hundred and thirty percent on Amazon, you can barely keep up with the growth. You should keep focusing on Amazon and growing that. Um, if you can't afford to. Um, I don't want to say you've maxed out Amazon because that's so rare, but like, let's say that you, you can't afford uh, finance, uh, capital time budget to go off of Amazon website, a must um, social media. Definitely. You gave a powerful example on, on how that can definitely help uh, email Mike Jackness and color. It doesn't get, it doesn't get a better example than that. Um, is there any other ones that maybe I, I feel like I just wanted to touch on three of the big ones. Do you think there's one that should have made that top three list that I didn't? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, just the B2C, B2B side, if you can do it, you know, and that grilling apron company did that. So, you know, social media, um, email, YouTube ads, right? So I guess that's three there. Do I win? Did I get, is that, is that, is that enough? That's it. Good. That's All it. right. Pinning this one to the top of all podcast episodes. You got it. Number 212, the best ever. Yes, 212, best ever. Um, the book, I think listeners will kill me if I don't remember to, if we can get the link to that book. I'm going to be putting the link in the show notes and I'm going to be putting the link out across all social media, wherever the episode is promoted. But you had a shareable link that you could, you could mention here on the show that somebody could uh, go to and get access to the book. Yeah, absolutely. The book itself is 300 pages of incredibly valuable, valuable information on how to build a more valuable online business and exit it. Um, it's endorsed by you know Mike Jackness, Ezra Firestone. They get blurb. Sam Parr wrote the forward for me. Gino Wickman. No, Sam Parr. Yeah. Oh my God! I guess it's like the oh. book is sitting in your house. Two Carlos, of them, two, two of them actually, two copies. Because <laughs> one I bought on my own just to support, but I have two copies. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I sold a buddy of Sam's business, and Sam and I chatted many, many years, many for many times over the years before he exited uh, uh, to HubSpot. So yeah, I know Sam. Uh, he's on the cover. Gino Wickman uh, is on the cover. Actually, 
sorry, Sam wrote the forward, Gino Wickman wrote the cover, is on the cover. Um, he's the founder of EOS and uh, wrote Traction. Um, and so it's a real book, folks. It's 300 pages. And I said about six months ago to somebody, you know, if I could just give it away for free, I would, but there's costs associated with it. And over that six month period, I figured that there is a way for me to do it. And, and it's the digital version of it. And that's what we're going to give here. If you go to exitpreneur.io forward slash wizards, um, you'll get the digital version of it. Actually, I take it back. It's longer than that. Exitpreneur.io slash exp.db.wizards. God, that's a lot. I should have shortened that. If you're driving, do not try to write this down. <laughs> we'll give you the link as well. Yes. The, you know, in the show notes, will there there'll be a link to the book itself or to that link where you can download the book? And if you do it on uh, a mobile device, you can you can read it on your Kindle, Nook, iBook, whatever it might be, and 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 use it. I think as you know, a reference guide. There are certain chapters that are going to make uh, a big difference in your life right now. Others that will make sense later on. Um, so don't you know sit and think you have to listen to it or read it all in one sitting you know, digest it in bits and pieces would be my advice. Joe, you're amazing. You, you brought the thunder. I appreciate it. Um, I, I have no idea uh, why it took so long, why it took 212 episodes for this to happen. But um, I, I'm glad we did. But before letting you uh, sneak off for the rest of your day, uh, something I ask all the guests on the show and with, with you dropping uh, Gino Wickman and and a, bu a bunch of other legends throughout the show, um, pre-recording and, and during, I I'm really curious to see what your book is going to be. So what is your favorite book and why? Yeah, I have so many. Um, I'm not going to name my own book. That would be selfish, right? Uh, I'm not going to name books of friends of mine because that would just be benefiting them. Um, it's funny. I want to say good to great because I listened to it recently and the audio version is amazing. Uh, Atomic Habits I listened to recently as well. But I think one that had the most impact is a simple one, and it's called The One Thing. can't remember the author. It's around here somewhere. But oh it's, God, the, yeah. it's, it's The One Thing, because I think in today's world, we try to multitask so much, right? Our phones are up. I've got two monitors here. Um, there's people walking by. We try to multitask, and it really doesn't work as well as you'd think. And you can't um, perform at your peak level when you're trying to multitask and you've got distractions. So I'd say the one thing, it's a simple, clean, easy book that if you implement what it says, it'll make an enormous difference in your pro productivity and your happiness. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't agree more. I, I grudgingly have to accept that the one thing and uh, four hour work week were like two of those books that I was almost sort of upset afterwards because it really put a spotlight on a lot of stuff I was doing wrong uh, or, or still am doing wrong or could be doing better. How about that? Yeah, that's the, those are the best kind of books, right? And I, I personally love it when somebody says, God damn it, I just sold my business and your, your book made me realize what an idiot I am. <laughs> you know, I'm like, thanks. That's the highest compliment I could possibly get. And, you know, if you, um, uh, read the four hour work week and the one thing and you're going, damn it, I've been doing this for seven years and I've been doing five times as much work as I need to. And it's not as productive as it could have been. I've just wasted seven years or three years or two years, or whatever it might be. That's a book that really is valuable. Sure. Joe, Joe do you have a, a specific social media that you prefer that you're more active on? Cause I, I I've noticed, I don't know if it was just, you know, 
mostly part of the, the, the book promotion or something like that, but you, you drop, you drop a lot of gold nuggets out there on, on social media, on different ways that people can, uh, get more money during their exit, like easy ones to easy to digest ones. Yeah. It's mostly, uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And I, I paused there cause I wanted to say LinkedIn and Facebook as well, but you know, the, the, the digestibility of the information I think is probably best on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I feel like LinkedIn is very distracting because there's so much going on anytime you look at it, but it's, that's probably where I have most followers. Um, but uh, Instagram's growing rapidly and uh, I'm never going to be a Sampar. Never going to, never going to be a Cody Sanchez. Um, and it's funny with both of them, they're both starting to take, uh, you know, wear less clothing. Uh, it's something that happens with influencers when they start to do more and more and more, they, they decide to wear less clothing. Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm in the sauna this morning trying to gear up for the gym and I, and I'm looking at like three Instagram stories of Sam Parr, like doing glutes, trying to build up his butt. And I'm like, what the, you know, what's going on here? It's a funny, you know, I was in a, uh, it was Sam, his buddy, Ramon, Shaquille Prasla, and a couple of other guys. We were in a, a weight loss challenge together. And this is the best kind of challenge that you could do when you've got a group of people that are weighing in every week for a certain period of time. And at the end of that time, whoever didn't meet their goal had to pay everybody else $500. We ended up not paying everybody else 500. I met my goal. Um, Sam blew the whole thing off and just, you know, made fun of everybody the entire time, but something clicked since then. Uh, and obviously he's trying to get down to like 10% body fat or things of that nature. Um, and again, influencers are weird. They get to a certain level and they start taking clothes off and, um, promoting themselves as a, as a person. So I you know what it is? It, it, it st stops people from flicking, you know, or swiping up or swiping left. That's what it is. I know that I've talked to people about it. That's what they do. That makes a whole lot of sense and get, so, it allows you to get to them, know them on a more personal level. So, so no 90 day ab challenge book coming out for you or. Absolutely not. I hit my goal because <laughs> I starved myself. Um, uh, but I quickly gained like seven pounds after I did it <laughs> happily. You're amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I look forward to releasing this episode and jumping in the chats now and just uh, sharing some of these links you you mentioned on the show. So well, thank thanks you so for having much. me on. Thanks for having me on, Carlos. I'm glad we finally got to connect. I appreciate it.